welcome everybody to episode eight of the Big Footy podcast. I'm joined for the first time tonight by Sporno for Pyros. Uh, we'll get into his username. I think it's a play on Porno for Pyros, but I think maybe there's a little bit of Kieran Spawn in there as well. We're doing this on a Wednesday night. We did have an ill attempt last night to do it, but Darrow unfortunately forgot to press record. So we've kicked him back down to the lunchtime catch-up podcast to ply his trade a bit before we bring him back into the big time. Uh, and we're back with Bonser, who's uh, able to press play, record at the appropriate time. Um, so this is not going to be the greatest podcast in the world. No, that was last night. This one is just a tribute. Sporno, how you doing, mate? Thanks for having me on. It was good to have a practice run last night. That's all I can say. Um, a bit like the uh, Nixon Watergate tapes, we lost about 25 minutes and I'm blaming it on the secretary. Absolutely. And so talk us through your uh, username. Is there, is there a little bit of uh, Kieran Spawn love in there? There is some Kieran Spawn love, yes, and and you're right with the porno for Pyro's call as well. I think when I was signing up, I had an avatar with Kieran Spawn in the skin tight top, and then other people seemed to have plays on words, and I was, just went with Spawno for Pyro's. You know, I would have loved to have had some of my childhood heroes, maybe in my name, like TD or Timmy Watson or Leon Baker, but Kieran Spawn, best on ground first in the 1990 grand final, if I remember correctly. I've, I've only ever watched that match once, so... But yeah, a bit of love for Kieran Spawn. Oh, look, a lot of love for Kieran Spawn here. And you could have a lot worse usernames. Speaking of a lot worse usernames, how are you, Bonsa? I'm very well, Jamu. I would just like to point out that uh, as the host, two points. One, you didn't actually introduce yourself. And two, it's Tuesday night, not Wednesday night. I'm going to bring the bins, bins back in from the sidewalk because I have put them out tonight. <laughs> so... Uh, You're doing a great job as my uh, replacement host, though. I'm enjoying it. I've got to say, though, my one job as host tonight is to make sure, Bonts, have you hit the record button? (laughs) I have. We are live and recording as we speak. Fantastic job done. Now, we had a pretty good game last week against Melbourne. There was a lot of, I guess, fear that it could have been a blowout. It could have been a a bad loss against the ladder leader, Melbourne. But we did pretty well. We are 11 points in the end. Not too bad a result. I think we did pretty well. There was a few things that we can talk about as kind of considerations. But ultimately, we we were close. It was a a good, honourable loss, as bad as they are. But I think in the overall scheme of things and how we're developing, that's exactly what we need against a ladder leader. Sporno, what do you reckon? Look, I'm I'm just enjoying watching them this year. And I think a few others, you know, from what I read on the, the big footy board and everything, a lot of people are enjoying this season and sort of referring it to a bit like 2016, where finally the kids are getting a game and finally the kids are getting a game in the right areas, like Darcy Parrish and a few others. And it's just really enjoyable. And I, I look at our side and, you know, 20% of our side on Saturday night were effectively first season players. You had Harry Jones, uh, Waterman, who I'm a big fan of, Perkins and Cox. So that's four of your 22 players effectively in their first season. So it's just really enjoyable watching them. I don't know. What do you think, Bonce? I, I did enjoy the game on Saturday night, you know, for a loss, as much as you can enjoy a loss, I suppose. At the same time, I probably was a little bit disappointed because I thought maybe, especially late in the game, we lacked polish. That I thought if, if we'd been able to actually, you know, execute better going inside forward 50 and, and not blind handballed and done silly mistakes, I actually think we probably could have walked away with the win. Yeah, look, I think it was definitely one of the ones where we could have almost jagged victory out of this one. But I think in the overall scheme of things, when you're looking at the result and you're looking at the way we played and you're looking at, you know, let's say some of the opportunities that didn't go our way, 
over the last few years, it could have been in the situation where we dropped our heads, we kind of cracked the shits a little bit, and the it could have been a blowout. And I think that's a small victory. I'll take the moral victory that we didn't let it get to that stage. The thing I enjoyed, I've, I've been going in with low expectations and been pleasantly surprised. The Sydney match, Sydney were red hot and halfway through the second, we're looking really good. Same on Saturday night when uh, halfway through the second and Archie Perkins and Ham missed their shots before the wheel turned and everything. We were right in that and taking it right up to you know the ladder leader. And then in the last quarter, we were running over the top of them. And as Bont said, we had a bit of polish and it might have worked out a bit differently. I think it was the most pleasing perspective from my point of view was, was we were concerned about how our midfield size of Merritt and Parrish and the smaller guys would go against the bigger bodies of Oliver and, and Petrarca and you know Brayshaw and even Viney, who's a you know, fairly solid player, and they stood up extremely well. I mean, Gorn probably went to town a little bit on Draper, which is to be expected considering their, their difference in experience, and, and obviously Draper's still coming back from his injury. But I thought our midfield stood up really well on Saturday night against a very high-quality opposition. Yeah, I, I think Zach Merritt, that was one of my favourite games I've seen Zach Merritt play. And, you know, for a guy who's just signed a contract, you know, sometimes they don't perform as well after they're signed the contract immediately after. He was just beautiful to watch. Uh, his disposals and he was racking up huge numbers, which we're not used to Essendon players racking up huge numbers. Darcy's changed that a bit for us this year, but there was so much to enjoy about them. What about you, Jamu? Yeah, look, I, I, I love watching this club at the moment. And you're right, you mentioned the, uh, the 2016 season. And yeah, I don't think I've enjoyed going into games as much as I have this year since since 2016 when there was zero expectation. You just hoped that they had a crack and we could show a little bit of promise and we can show that we're doing okay. And, and this year, you know, you've mentioned the, the, the youngsters, the first year players and, you know, Cox and Perkins and Jones is it's great watching them and I, and I just think that there is so much promise for the first time in a long time that we're on the right track and it's not just about learnings it's about actually developing as a team and and getting our shit together and and it's great I, I think I think we, we matched it for the most part um, you know Draper had you know probably his second game blues back but that I think that's it for him now. He'll he'll crack on. And I think the back end of the season and coming into Geelong, which we'll talk about later, but I, I think what we saw against the ladder leaders on Melbourne, we did really well. And look, all their stars performed. Like you said, Gorn was on fire. Petrarca had a pretty good match. He, he kicked some clutch goals. Uh, Clayton Oliver was really good as well. So they had all their guns firing. And it was just interesting. I, I think Ant made a point in the autopsy about possibly using Hooker as a decoy sort of thing. And I think going into the match, we were all there going, oh, we can't let May and Lever dominate. And you know, I think he had a good point that, you know, maybe we could have used Hooker as a decoy. A bit like uh, Sheeds used Timmy Watson as a decoy in the 93 grand final just to get Silvani out of the danger areas. I think there could be some way we could possibly use Hooker at times like that because, you know, Hooker, he's having a pretty good season. But, you know, I think there's always chance to use different coaching to try and take the opposition off their game. Yeah, it's a good point. And I, and I think as far as Brett Rutten's coaching goes, I, I, I would give him personally an A, an A+. Plus. But you're right, he doesn't probably have the same tools in his kit yet that the Sheedies of the world does. But I think from what he's done to, to bring us back into a position where we are competing for most of the game or, or, or in most games, 
I think he's he's doing a great job. But yeah, you're probably right. He doesn't he doesn't have those tricks yet that a more seasoned coach would have. Bonso, what do you reckon? Yeah, I was just going to say I, I'm actually glad to sort of raise the the hooker issue because I thought on Saturday night blazing away to him one on one with May was just a maddening thing to watch as a supporter. And no doubt there are plenty of other people who thought that sort of as you were alluding to a little bit there, Spawno. I did say it on the board on Saturday night. Uh, I, I do I actually think yeah, our forward three in right Jones and and Hooker were were fairly average on Saturday night. They did really they didn't seem to lead up to the ball as much as they had been they they all seemed to be wanting to stand and demand it and then when it was kicked reacting rather than being proactive that may come down to the midfield not lowering their eyes but from what i could see on the tv the midfield certainly seemed to have their heads on a swivel looking for the option it just didn't appear to be presenting. Having said that, that they were fairly average. They still kicked five goals between them, which is still a pretty handy return for, you know, a fair old hooker 32, you know, right the second second ruck slash forward at the moment and Harry Jones is still developing. So it's hard to be too critical of them, I, I think. And how good was um, Harry Jones's goal there on the, on the goal line? I think that was, you know, just so quick thinking. And I think that's what I like about Harry Jones. He's, he seems to have a, a smart head on him. Yeah, I agree. And and you could call it ass, but he's done it a couple of times where he's he's clearly thought about what was happening and made the smart decision. And a couple of times when the ball's come in and it's been called touched or not far and he's made the conscious decision to pivot from taking a mark and tapping it down. So he's clearly a very very smart footballer. And I think once he gets, you know, used to the pace of the of the AFL, he'll he'll be he'll be great. And at Bonds, I agree with you. I think, you know, some people might think you're being a little bit harsh on, you know, Jonesy kicked two goals. He presented very, very well. But yeah, he he probably looks like he needs a little bit of a rest. And he probably wasn't as performing as up to, you know, the lofty standards that we expect of him as a first year player and, you know, what, twelve games in. But yeah, like, I, I don't think the criticism is unjust, but I don't think it's unfair either. Are you guys um, enjoying watching Waterman as much as I'm enjoying watching Waterman? Clearly not. I am, <laughs> but not as much as you. His, uh, his second efforts on the ground on Saturday night were immense. Look, I have liked Waterman so far. I thought he's been solid, but I hadn't really seen anything that got me too excited. But yeah, his performance on Saturday night, just those glimpses he showed, just the desperation of the ball, that was something that that, that I was very impressed with. And, and certainly you could see, I thought there, his history as an inside mid coming back, which please let's not try and turn him into one. Now he's sort of set as a forward, but um, he does obviously have that background. It's funny, uh, Spawner, you mentioned him as one of the, the first-year players as well. And I kind of look at him and, and, and think, well, you know, he, he's... He's been on an AFL list. He's kind of played, I think, in seniors for Waffle for a while. No, he's a he's a seasoned player. But you kind of look at his stats and his history, and yeah, he's he's pretty much a, a first year player coming back from a very significant illness. So you know, on the back of that, he's he's you've got to give him credit for just how well he has performed so far. And he's a good size too, good solid size. Which we've had so many sort of thin players over the last twenty years, and just to have a guy who seems to have a good trunk on him, yeah. I'm just glad. I think, you know, it's an, a good little bit of recruiting. Didn't cost us anything. Let's uh, ride the wave and see where it goes on that one, I reckon. Another bloke I want to just mention as well from Saturday night, it's somebody that I was actually probably a little bit critical of, especially his game against Richmond where I thought he was slow to react to the speed of it, which was Matt Guelphy. He was very, very good on, on Saturday night defensively, I thought. I thought he laid a lot of tackles. He blocked a lot of space. I, I thought he, he played his role magnificently on Saturday night. And I'm not too sure he 
got too much of the ball. I, I think I saw that he had you know, about a dozen touches, and most of them were handballs. But just just his defensive work rate was it was excellent on Saturday, and is definitely something that I think if he can continue in future, we'll lock him into our, our best 22. I think since he's come back from the, uh, I think it was the GWS match was his first match back, he's been a good contributor. And like they sort of say, every side needs a good bottom six. And I think he carries out that sort of role pretty well. He is the equivalent of NBA's sixth man of the year. He um, is the guy who is not best 18, might be best 22 come injuries, but he does his role and he he does it very well. And and you need players like that. And I think what we've discovered this year, especially as we've had a lot of injuries to our starting 22, and he's been able to come in and, and perform admirably. I'm a little surprised, Jamie, that you haven't been a little bit more smug tonight because um, the bloke that you've declared is finished as a footballer actually had a fairly quiet game on Saturday night. <laughs> Look, <laughs> he, I, I never said he was finished as a footballer. I just said when his cliff comes, it will come rapidly and it will be a horrible, horrible thing. And, and, I, and I think the fact that he's – I think he started so late and started as an older recruit and I feel that he's already well into his 30s and, and I just think that I fear that when the end comes, it'll it'll come quickly. And I hope we, it doesn't. Are we talking tipper here, are we, or – yeah, we are, and I'm wondering. Tipper. I'm wondering why how he's well into his thirties. No, no, I just feel that he's well into his his thirties. I think you know he he. It seems to me that he's he started playing VFL in his twenties. He played VFL for a number of years, and then he's been on our list for a number of years. So you add all that up together, he's got to be at least thirty, right? All I know, I know is that I love him. <laughs> I just love watching him. I love the fact that kids love him just like I loved Leon Baker or Kieran Spawn when I was young. And, uh, you know, brings the crowd in. Whenever he gets near the ball, you get excited. And, you know, for a guy who's 35 years old, uh, I think he's doing <laughs> really well. And, and it's mate. always good. Always good to have a look at his um his go back to the first few pages of his profile on Big Footy. And it's it's good to see the the growth he's had since then. Absolutely. And look, may he well play for another couple of years well into his 40s. But I think <laughs> I, I think we do, unless, Bonsi, you've got anything else to, to hang shit on me about that call? No, I don't want to hang shit on you. I do just want to mention Jake Stringer's goal, though, because that, I mean, he did get this, he did cheat a little bit because he got himself a Saito about, I don't know, five minutes earlier before he managed to nail the second one. But how good was that goal on the run? That bloke is in some serious form around goals at the moment. Another guy who makes you want to go and watch the match, isn't he? And yeah, that like you sort of said, he he almost did it two times in two minutes. And we you were at the game, Bonds, were you? It would have been uh, great at the game. No, I didn't actually make it to the game, unfortunately. Um, didn't get my hands on a ticket. I was watching it at home, and um, I was texting with a mate, and kind of said after his first sighter, I thought, oh, this, he's he's on here. And after his the second goal, I thought at least Stringer looks like he wants to win this game because I think at that point. Uh, certainly in the first quarter, we had no right to be um, ahead a quarter time. But I think, yeah, Stringer just really wanted to win and he wanted to, to do it as uh, off his own back at that point. He had, a, he had a great first quarter. It did change the game, I thought. Yeah, once he started harking up and, and doing those sorts of things, I think the momentum swung our, swung our way. Yeah. Now, now, look, speaking of changing the game, what do we think of the umpires? Did they rob us or... Is it just the rub of the green and we got to put ourselves in the position that they don't influence the game? Look, for me, 
I judge everything against the 2019 Anzac Day game. And compared to that game, the umpiring <laughs> was brilliant. <laughs> and, and any individual decisions, I might have been a bit angry with the Archie Perkins decision there at one stage um, and yelling at TV. And then I just said to myself, well, it's not as bad as the Dean, Dane Rampy climbing the post decision. So I've just got to calm myself down that way. I know, I know a lot of our fans do get worked up about it and I can understand that. But I think Beery had a good point when he, when he sort of said, you've got to get yourself in that position where you take the umpires out of it. And that's just my own opinion yeah I, I don't get worked up about it anymore because yeah nothing can be as bad as 2019 Anzac Day or Dane Rampey but what about you Bonts? I would just like to ask what is Archie Perkins meant to do in that situation because he's clearly he clearly was just taking the mark he was just going to stand the mark. I sort of was you know thinking about it and I thought you know if Dustin Martin had done that there's no way he would have been called for 50. I think it's you know the, the classic case of the umpire sort of picking on, you know, making that decision against a young person. You see it happen in cricket all the time. You know, the established player will not get the LBW decision go against them, whereas the new guy, yeah, the umpire will fire him out. So I, I thought a bit like that. But I thought Perkins, yeah, he went to the dead side and walked up there and stood still, and then the umpire pinged him. I don't know what he was supposed to do either. Look, look, and the thing is, because I, I did read, I have sort of read quite a few people go, oh, you know, it's very stiff, it's very stiff. I don't think it was stiff. I, th- I think it was just wrong because if a player runs through the protected zone, then obviously it's 50. But that's normally only in play if somebody else is already on the mark. There was nobody on the mark. Like, the guy's got to be allowed to go stand on the mark because the umpire said, oh, you didn't follow... The umpire's that logic was you didn't follow your opponent through. Your opponent went the went you know, the inside lane and, and, and Archie went the other side and used, as you said the dead side but that's because it wasn't his opponent he wasn't following the bloke he was trying to get to the mark so uh, but anyway and look I agree do agree with the whole you need to get yourself into the the right positions and I have probably been quite vocal on our board at times that some of our fans need to maybe learn the rules a little bit more and, and also maybe that the umpires do cop a fairly harsh treatment. But, but Saturday night was, was pretty inexcusable, I thought. It, it was pretty hard to see justification for a lot of those decisions. Wow. That's... Uh, that's um... I'm not going to say it's great coming from you, Bonds, but you, you're always a very fair and measured, I guess, in your, not defence, but your um, understanding of what it is like to be an umpire. So, yeah, it's a, it's a pretty good context, I think, that you that you give to say that, yeah, that was probably pretty ordinary. I think there's also talk around Devin Smith and whether he's just a you know an innocent little ragamuffin or if he is the devil incarnate when it comes to being an in terms of his response to the umpiring. And and I gotta say, I, I from what I saw of the game watching on television, I thought he was fairly hard done by with that that hundred meter penalty and and also a couple of things. But uh, but you know, having reflected upon you know the penalties and a few other elements that people have said, I I, I gotta say maybe, maybe I've changed my tune and maybe he just needs to dial it back a bit. So, so do you reckon that Devin Smith is is a lovable rascal, or is he an absolute campaigner when it comes to not playing within the rules? Well, I get annoyed with him. I've got to be honest, and it just seems to happen so regularly. I'm cool. Yeah, we all make mistakes, but you know, I, I think that close match against Sydney a couple of years ago, he gave away a crucial 50 on the weekend like you sort of said I think he probably was a bit hard done by uh, on reflection I was pretty angry with him on Saturday night 
having a closer look, I thought, oh, yeah, he might have been a bit hard done by. We all have those guys we've played with over the years, and it's sort of good to have someone with a bit of mongrel, a bit of white line fever in, the, in your team, but it just seems to happen, and it happens at crucial moments too. And if it was a young player, you'd take them off straight away. But I don't know. What do you think, Bont? Devin's the one bloke I probably can't uh, sort of agree with in terms of the umpiring. Like, I can't defend him for what he did on, on Saturday night. Now, I know he, I know you said he, gave, he called it the 100-metre penalty, Jamie, but he did only give away a 50. And I think if you watch it, if you from watching on TV, he and there was a post from somebody at the game as well who I think sort of backs this up as well. He was yelling at, screaming at the umpire, running back, you know, a good 20 to 30 metres. Now, there's not a single player in the AFL who doesn't know what's going to happen when you do that. That's Bush League stuff. That that should not be happening at AFL level. The one thing about Devon, though, is I think sometimes he might get a, l- a little bit of a bum steer, and, and I'm certainly guilty of doing that on, on the board, and I think I've done it on this podcast too, because he did only make one mistake on Saturday night with the umpires. Unfortunately for him, it was a pretty costly one. Um, it was the same as the week before when he when he gave that sh- that late shove in the back he again he only made one mistake but geez, it was costly like you, you can forgive one or two you can probably forgive one or two mistakes but you ca- you can't sort of forgive them when they start to give away goals um and, and the fact that the umpire told him to shut up is, is probably a pretty clear sign that he's yapping a lot at the umpires and that's never going to to win you any fans with the blokes with the whistles. Yeah. And look, I think there's a there's a fine line between, you know, being passionate and being, you know, in the moment. And and maybe, maybe he was running back saying, look, you've done a really f-ing good job. That's a really hard job you're doing, but you're doing it really well. And maybe he was just praising him, but he said it aggressively. And I think that's where I've turned, Bonds. We had that discussion on, you know, on game night. And, and maybe, you know, maybe he's doing it in the wrong way. Even if he's giving praise, if he's doing it aggressively and if, if he's doing it, you know, rid, rid rude words, he should probably dial that down. Ben Rutten's also called him out on it in his presser after the match. He sort of said that he's trying to get that out of his game. So, yeah, I don't know. It's It seems to be a, a problem that occurs way too often for my liking. Yeah, and the other bloke who, who normally seems to get involved with the umpires is Guelphie, and I was just singing his praises before. So it is proof that, you, you know, one one good game can make you make us all forget the, the, the bad things you do. Yeah, 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 for sure. Now, I think we've only got a few more minutes before we uh, need to wrap this up. So uh, looking forward to Geelong. Are we going to get pumped by Geelong? Are we going to match Geelong? Or God forbid, are we going to beat Geelong? Well, it's, it's going to be uh, interesting. I, I Like I said, I go into each match expecting the worst, uh, as all of us who've suffered the last 20 years do. But, you know, we met them pre-season down there, uh, so we we should have had a, you know, a sighter down there at Cardinia Park and hopefully go in with low expectations. And I, I don't know where Geelong's at. They've won a lot of matches by one or two points this year, whereas we've lost those matches. They lose those ones and we win those ones and we're probably about level on the ladder. But it'll be interesting to see which way it goes, Bonser. Yeah, look, I don't know if uh, Cadinia Park holds many holds great fear for the, for the players. It's a very small ground, very narrow ground. So sides that like to get out into the space struggle there. I'm not too sure how much we necessarily like to get out into the great open spaces. I think blokes like Hind and, and Merritt and that don't mind running in, in, in through the tight, confined space that's going to be on offer, especially Hind because he just blazes through everyone. The last time we actually played Geelong down there, it was 93, and, and 
it was that was Ablett kicked three goals and they beat us by 32 points. But of course, it was the year the baby bombers won the flag. So if they come out and beat us by you know five goals on Friday night, is it an omen we're going to win the flag? I'm going to say yes. <laughs> nice. Sounds like a good omen. Yeah. Now, in, in terms of matchups, it'll be very interesting to see how we go. Peter Wright on, on Blitzarves is probably going to be one to watch. I think if Wright and Blitzarves go head-to-head, because Blitzarves goes into that ruck to give Radigalia a chop out, well, Wright will probably just go with him, which, which would be a handy plus for us, I suppose, because it means that Draper can then just rotate forward and, and they'll just keep swinging it that way and maybe... That'll save us on some bench rotations. But I'm not too sure how we're going to be able to handle Cameron, Hawkins, and dare I say it, with Ethan screaming at me from home, Gary Rowan. Yeah, those big guys tend to score goals against us, don't they? It feels like every time we go up against some of those big forwards, they have a day out. So that'll be definitely one to watch, you know. But, you know, our back line's done pretty good this year, you know. And and you think about it, that's a, pretty much a brand-new back six there with... Hind, Stewart, Laverde, and Francis and Merritt have been in and out of the side. So it's pretty much a brand new back six. And it'll be interesting to see, you know, Laverde took out, oh, I've forgotten the guy from West Coast a few weeks ago. And he's a similar sort of build to um, Tom Hawkins. So it'll be interesting to see how they go. Yeah, it's, it's interesting you mentioned uh, Laverde and Stewart. Uh, in the context of our first-year players. I mean, they're essentially first-year defenders. Laverde's had a fantastic year as a as a first-year defender. He's been quite amazing, and it wouldn't surprise me if he was in the top five of our best and fairest. And I think we're all happy to see it too because, you know, he's, we've, we've seen him struggle, you know, where he, he cops the most unlucky injuries, you know, whatever that one he... He, where he busted his shoe down against Geelong pre-season. He just seems to have... He had a lot of bad luck, Touchwood. That's changed for him. And, you know, now we can see, you know, why he was picked there along alongside um, Langford there in, in, in the late teens there in the draft. Because, yeah, he's he's had a... He's put together a really good season. Well, it depends on who you ask. Because did any of you see the Herald Sun article on the club's biggest improvers and who has gone backwards? Yeah, I, I didn't actually see it. I, I saw someone on Twitter pointed out laughing at it and, and saying, yeah, Laverde has gone backwards and Hind has gone backwards. Were, were they the two you're talking about, Bonds? Well, I, I, to be honest, um, I've, I actually haven't read it, but I have been told by loons that, that Laverde was the one was one of the ones nominated by the Herald Sun for us to have gone backwards. Yeah. I, made the very, I made the very excellent joke to loons that um, he certainly has gone back. But I didn't get the laughs that I was hoping for with that one. Yeah, well, let's bring Loons onto the podcast and see how well he performs, huh? Yeah, I was just going to say the other two there were um, apparently Braden Ham and, and Zerk Thatcher are also in, in that article, which yeah is is pretty. I think I, I think whoever wrote that has clearly not watched us play this year because I can't say, think I you could say that those two would be listed as blokes that have gone backwards. Is that some sort of crazy championship data thing where, you know... Oh, you, look, there you go. Actually, you will be you'll be 100% right because Supercoach is, is the Herald something and that's run by champion data, isn't it? The ranking points. So that'll be exactly what it is. But surely, yeah, anyway. If ever you needed proof that that's just complete crap. <laughs> <laughs> I try and stay away from the Murdoch rags. Occasionally... We all need a bit of trash to read, so I do. That does pull me back in every now and again. 
Well, I think Spornos, you've uh, made the absolute perfect segue to sign off. Stay away for the Murdoch Press. <laughs> Thank you very much for listening. Hey, one final thing. <laughs> one final thing. We've got to give a shout out to Cupid O for life. And yeah, we do. Um, shot. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, and say, hope to see your your videos back soon. They get, provide a lot of joy for a lot of people. That's my finishing note. Anyway, thanks. Yeah, well said. And absolutely, Herbertron, Cupido for life. Hope you're doing well. We're all thinking about you. Keep safe, keep well, get better soon. And we're looking forward to, to seeing you back. Bonso, do you have any shout-outs? No, I just echo the same sentiments you blokes have uh, just mentioned for Cupido for life. For sure. So thanks very much for listening. Obviously, any feedback or commentary or conversation, post it into the thread. I'll probably ignore your posts and thread ban you, but... Happy to hear it all. Uh, thanks very much, Sporno. Thanks very much, Bonts. Looking forward to the next week where we're going to smash Geelong. I'm going to put it on record. We're going to be winning by 19 points. Thanks very much, everyone. See you next time.